lyrics of the lost. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13. Lucky for some, 13. It's our COVID recovery episode, as we've both had it now, and it has slowed our productions here a little bit, but now we're back to our blistering speed of one episode every month. Now... One every month or so. Or so, yes. Yes. That's our commitment. That's our pledge to you, the listener. (laughs) Now, uh, Dave challenged me last episode to pick an Australian artist next. And uh, that's just unfortunately the sort of parochial, nationalistic, love my country or leave it, militant, (laughs) dangerous sort of person he is. But here we are. Welcome, Dave. Uh, Thanks, Peter. Um, I would like to challenge your uh, assumption that the BGs are completely Australian, though. I believe they're actually English. Uh, Well, well, we shall uh, have to get into that. And um, are you uh, wearing the Australian flag as a cape right now, Dave? I'm wearing it as underpants. You're wearing the Australian flag as underpants? I do that every single day. Now, is that just an Australian flag that you've folded into the shape of underpants to wear, or have you actually got the uh, flag printed on an actual pair of underpants? Uh, Strictly speaking, it's more like a nappy, I guess. But yeah, Australian flag. All right, okay. Just be careful not to poop on it, though. That would be, uh, for a patriot like yourself, that would be uh, just completely indecent. Sacrosanct. Well, it's it would be good Australian poo. Actually, with winter, it'd be nice to have um, maybe a, an Australian flag uh, uh, printed on some sort of uh, soft, fleecy, uh, or maybe a flannelette, a flannelette flag. That would be possibly the most Australian thing ever. <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm surprised our, our flag isn't already on flannelette. Yeah, that's very true. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, we don't like to waste our, our listeners' time messing about here. Um, I mean, we do uh, a little bit, uh, but we don't like that we do it. Uh, So let's get straight to it. Episode 13 is this. Tragedy by the Bee Gees, 1979. Now, here we go, Dave. Although born in the UK, the Gibb brothers, Barry, Maurice, Robin and Zeppo, grew up in Queensland, Australia. And they formed the group here before returning to the UK as greater success beckoned. So, yes, we we claim them, or I claim them, as an Australian group, just like we used to claim Mel Gibson as an Australian actor, although he was born in the USA and now he's embarrassing, so we've stopped claiming him. Exactly. That's the good thing about these people. We can give them back if we don't want them. It's like being their grandparents. Yeah, it's good to be flexible. Um, Yeah. It was actually 1958 when the family of Gibbs set sail for Australia on a ship called the Fair Sea, and also emigrating from England on that same boat was a young lad called Red Simons, who would go on to form the band Skyhooks. But more importantly, there was also a young lady called Carol, who would go on to form Kylie Minogue in her womb some years later. (laughs) So instead of the more usual outbreak of gastro on that particular ship, There must have been some sort of pop music virus. I'm disappointed that an Australian icon like Red Simons is not born in Australia. You are disappointed, yes. I'm very disappointed. I thought he was as Australian as Daryl Summers. Yeah, well, who knows what truth lies in Daryl Summers. I I shudder to think. 
Yeah, this won't make it to the final cut, don't worry. That's <laughs> <laughs> far, far too parochial. Um, but finally, this is my selection for a local artist uh, from the Smooth Music playlist. Uh, many people have noted that the Bee Gees developed quite a peculiar style of singing, and uh, this song, Tragedy, is perhaps the Bee Gees at the height of their uh, squeaky, sometimes shrill, falsetto singing and harmonising. In fact, the, the pitch climbs up to such a banshee-like shriek at one point in this that there's an audible explosion. And we can only assume that's where the head of a Gib brother just explodes uh, from, from the sound waves, um, <laughs> like in the 80s movie Scanners. Dave, I might overlay uh, some ha-ha uh, at appropriate points in this recording uh, to punctuate or add emphasis. So uh, just let me know. Please do. If you'd like one at any point, and I'll, I'll whip one out. But did you know that that explosion was actually one of them just putting their hands across the microphone and going... Yes, yes, I, I, I saw that bit of footage uh, where, where Barry does it. Uh, yeah, that interesting bit of uh, documentary footage, which I think they also converted into the video clip for the song at some point. Yeah. But yeah, there's some other interesting stuff in that, uh, which I'll, I'll come back to, yeah. Peculiar singing or not, uh, the Bee Gees were very popular. The, uh, the high-pitched singing didn't really seem to catch on with any other groups. Um, some of the Beach Boys stuff was pretty high, I, I guess. Um, uh, Jimmy Somerville of the Communards and Bronski beat, he was, he was pretty high. Um, and uh, I can only think of um, Tiny Tim doing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Um, uh, I can't really think. Can you think of any other protagonists of the style, Dave? No, that, that that was Tiny Tim was was pretty high, but I think um, yeah, I I, th I think this song is a really great example of. In fact, I'd say that the the record is a bit of a masterpiece in in that regard. Um, Tiptoe through the tulips. Well, maybe, but that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> Tiptoe through the tulips is indeed a masterpiece, but as we're talking about tragedy, yes. Um, like usually with a song, one of the ways you'd build up tension is by starting quite low with the vocals, you know, and going up and up and up. But this song seems to start mm. at a point where you can't think, can't believe they would go any higher. Mm. Yet mm. they still do. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's that uh, famous song by Aha, where people often try to do it at karaoke, but they, if you don't start very low, you can't yes. keep going higher. What's the name of it? Take me on. Take yeah. Take take on me. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes, that's very tricky. If you don't start very low, you you'll run out of highness. Uh, I was was going to attempt it, but maybe I shouldn't. I'll, I'll challenge you to do that right now. Yeah, go. Uh, no, I can't do it. Sorry. Uh, I thought you might chicken out. Yes. Yeah. I found a, an interview uh, with the Gibbs on a '90s English comedy talk show hosted by Clive Anderson. And uh, in it, he just keeps chiding them, the brothers, about their singing voices until they, they just get fed up and walk out. In fact, I might just leave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've never had anyone walk well, out before, but... Uh, well, well, we are. Toss it, pal. <laughs> so anyway. Night, everybody. <laughs> I remember that. I think that might have been when we were living in the UK. It was very controversial at the time. 
Yeah, it it, it does seem a bit nasty. Um, I, I think I don't think he meant it meant to be nasty, but he just wouldn't let it go. He would just keep making jokes at, at their expense, and um, you know, I mean, I've I've already made fun of the BGs uh, right now, but you shouldn't um, do it to their face. No, do it's... it behind their backs. That, that's what good manners is. Do it behind their it's, backs. It's... It's much better to do it on a podcast and then publish it on platforms that anyone can hear. Yeah. It's unlikely to get back to them, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff from the 70s seems peculiar now. Um, it was a wonderful time, really, of, of bold experimentation. Yes, in music, but also with the colour brown in, in lots of things. <laughs> Architecture, fashion, so many things. It's true. Brown and orange. And orange, absolutely. Yes, yeah. A, remember, we shared a lovely kitchen once with brown and orange featuring heavily. We had a um, a divan lounge, like a folding Ooh. lounge sofa bed thing in the 70s that was orange with, I'm sure it had yellow and red circles on it. It was beautiful. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah. But we are here to talk about lyrics. And uh, I was shocked, shocked to see that uh, that bit of documentary footage uh, showing that the lyrics were, were basically written as an afterthought. Um, here's a clip from their process where they just have the word tragedy so far and it, it just goes like this. Na 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 tragedy. Na 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 tragedy. Maybe they should have left it like that. Well, I think maybe they meant to. It could be that it was just going to be. They were just going to rip off the theme song to the 1960s Batman show. Na 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 na. Batman. Very similar. You can't deny the parallels. But the BG's lawyers probably stepped in, and said. Better write some more lyrics just in case. Um, could be some trouble over that. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can probably picture the brothers together in a room. Come on, guys! What sounds like something tragic we can use in tragedy for more lyrics? And one of them, I think, must have said, "Vampires. They're pretty tragic figures." And I think that's why we've got some of these lyrics. I've got a few things to say about that. We might come to later about them when we get onto souls. Yes, yes. Did you see vampires as well as the, as the chief subject? Well, I did, but to be fair, I've been watching quite a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer recently. Wow. Yeah. That's a bit retro. Yeah, okay. Well, um, yes, the, the, the lyrics start out with... Here I lie in a lost and lonely part of town. Now that sounds like a perfect place in town to hide your crypt and lie there during the daylight hours. That's perfect vampire material there. Second line. Held in time, in a world of tears, I slowly drown. Held in time, because they don't age, of course. Forever young vampires are, check. Check. Drowning in a world of tears, that could be the suffering that the vampire causes all around him in the community. Or maybe he just sees more sadness because he's, he's picking off the, the lost and lonely people of this part of town. And he's drowning in it because 
he's just sick of all the blobbing from his victims. <laughs> so, yep, check again. When the feeling's gone and you can't go on, it's tragedy. Here, a lot of movies uh, show vampires are quite jaded, tired of life. They don't have a lot of feelings, especially with how they have to murder and feed regularly. Feelings gone. Check. And here, as you, as you mentioned, when you lose control and you've got no soul, it's tragedy. Now, that could be uh, about their bloodlust. They lose control when they see blood and they need to feed. Check. And they literally have no soul because I, I think that's claimed by Satan when you become a vampire. It's instantly Satan goes, right, that soul's mine. Um, and now you're a demonic creature of the night. I think that's how it works. Check. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, when the morning cries and you don't know why, it's hard to bear. Very hard to bear in the morning for if you're a vampire. The morning light is, is a bit burny, a bit ouchy. Um, so they go back to the crypt at that point and, and, and cry themselves to sleep. And lastly, with no one to love you, you're going nowhere. Big check there. Yep, vampires are usually pining for some old lost love and uh, they're stuck in the vampire life forever and going nowhere. So, yeah, vampires. Did you, did you have anything further to add on the vampire thing or you, would, you just saw the bit about you've got no soul and thought vampires? Well, no, no. I did do a bit of uh, research into uh, losing your soul. All right. So, like you said, it seems like that's a key line in the song. Um, mm. But there's other possibilities apart from vampires mm. when you mean that you've got no soul. So you could also talk about somebody not having any soul if they're not uh, singing with the right amount of uh, emotion and feeling. Oh, true. Yeah. More the 70s uh, sort of uh, use of the word soul, I guess. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that's one possibility, perhaps... It's a bit of um, loss of confidence by Barry Gibb and his brothers there that they just aren't singing with enough soul. Mm. Maybe they're feeling like if only they could sing higher, they'd be able to inject more soul into their music. Oh, the, yeah, the higher you go, the, the more soulful. Until you get into yes. Alvin in the Chipmunks territory and, and yes. then it, it's a, it immediately goes to the other end of the scale. Indeed. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine, fine balance. And I did find a website that listed 25 ways to tell whether somebody has no soul. Mm. They weren't taking having no soul quite as literally as you have done with the vampire thing. So they, they're talking about having no soul as being uh, losing all connection with their higher self. The higher um, self. And I, I don't know what that means either. Mm. Uh, anyway, this article on a website, I'm not sure whether it's nomadoctors.com or nomadrs.com. Anyway, mm. um, 25 ways to tell whether somebody has no soul, by which they mean they've lost all connection with their higher self. So it's a kind of a spiritual thing. Yeah. I'm not going to go through all 25, um, but here's a few. They mm -hmm. lack empathy. Their emotions seem fake. Mm. Animals don't like them. Oh, they just spot. Mm. So yes. animals, obviously, very sensitive to. Well, they'd probably be quite sensitive to vampires too. I should say. That's that's also why dogs don't like Terminators either. Um, Terminators haven't got any soul because they're robots. 
that's true. And the Spurs movies, the dogs are always barking at them. So yeah, you check. Yep, but they can clearly hear high pitched noises, so they're probably BG's fans. Yeah. Uh, they despise children. They don't just dislike children, they despise them. Oh. Yeah. They never dance. <laughs> never. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Never soul. Their morals are erratic, if present at all. Yeah. They're they're a narcissist. And now here's the really important one. Yeah. A real psychic confirms it. A real psychic confirms it. If they if yep. that's that's how you know. If a psychic confirms it. Excellent. If a psychic confirms it, you know someone's got no soul. And there mm. is a, a warning on that as well. It says, uh, but how can you find a psychic you can trust? In this day and age, it's so important to stay away from the fake ones. Oh yes. That's very oh. It's a nightmare trying to find a good one. Yep. <laughs> An honest-to-God psychic. So hard to find. Yep. Exactly. I think exactly. science has yet to find one. Yep. Yeah. So th those are two options for not having a soul. The third one is actually not having a soul. Um, so as I was saying, I've while I had some COVID-related downtime, uh, I didn't watch quite a lot of old episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a show that does revolve around demons and vampires that don't have a soul. Um, yeah. I've seen. I've only seen a, a bit of it, bits and pieces, and, and the, the original movie I've seen, but uh, I, know, I know the uh, general concept. Yes. I mean, the idea is that if you're a being that doesn't have a soul, you've got no morals, no conscience... Uh, no remorse, so you could go on a wild killing spree, you know, or plot to destroy the world, and you'd feel fine about it. And mm. one of the main characters in it is a vampire who was cursed by gypsies uh, with a soul, he was given a soul back. Oh. And the consequence of that is that he spends his whole life in constant torment oh. over all the terrible things that he did when he had no soul. Oh, wow. That's pretty deep. Yeah. That sounds yeah, yeah. more like the current uh, vampire stories we get today with, you know, your, your sort of gothy, sad Robert Pattinson type vampires. Yeah. But, but yeah, crucially, the Buffy vampires don't sparkle in the daylight. Oh, right. Yes, sparkling. Yeah. They catch fire. I found another website called Evil Wiki. Mm-hmm. Uh, that detailed three types of soulless beings. Mm -hmm. So you can be uh, someone who loses their soul. Um, you could make a deal with the devil yep. uh, or some other kind of evil being. Yep. Um, they could have had their soul stolen or maybe they were born without one. Uh, so a soulless being is usually uh, quite often motivated by the, a desire to get their own soul back or maybe steal someone else's soul. Mm. Yeah. So if you do a deal with the devil and give the devil your soul, there's usually consequences. And I think those consequences, generally speaking, uh, involve going to hell. Yeah. And losing your so, soul. Yep. So you could lose your soul that way. You could be what they refer to as a soulless shell. And this is where it comes to your vampire. So it's usually someone who's been brought back to life, but not completely. Um, so, you know, your mm. vampires... Uh, your zombies, anyone raised by the dead by some kind of magical ritual. A lot of those uh, properties of soulless people, I, I feel uh, like they might have been copied from um, personality traits of a psychopath as well. But um, 
just taken it a bit further into the supernatural. Yes, yes. Well, that's why you need a psychic. Yeah, to confirm it, of course. Yeah, yeah. They've got those those government issued rubber stamps that they can stamp on the the ID of a soulless person, and it just stamp just says soulless. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the third option is that you're some kind of ancient demon that never had a soul. Never was issued one. Yeah. Never was issued one. Never um, part of never part of the earth. Uh, probably around uh, before God made the earth. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Often, often, yeah. The inhabitants of hell or former angels and things like uh, the devil himself. Exactly. Exactly. So, firstly, I'm wondering if which of these might apply to the song, and secondly, whether any of it might be autobiographical. Hmm. Hmm. So, I don't know if you've heard of a blues musician called Robert Johnson. Oh, right. Is he, is he the one who sold his soul at the crossroads? That's the guy, yep. He was a singer and a guitar player in Mississippi in the 20s and 30s. And the story goes that he was terrible. Um, you know, tried to get on stage and play, but audiences booed him off. And then he disappeared for a few weeks and came back as a master musician. Um, mm. And a, yeah, according to the legend, he went to a crossroads on Highway 61 and sold his soul to the devil. Yeah. Um, the payback for him seemed to be that he only lived for a few more years. Uh, he lived a very troubled life and then he was dead at 27. Gosh. Um, yeah. So my question here is, is it possible that you know, one or more of the Bee Gees made some kind of deal with the devil? Um, and if so, mm. what did they get? Obviously, they got very high voices. Yes. They had lovely hair. Lovely hair. Oh, that's so true. Yes. Yeah. Lovely hair and lots and lots of excellent teeth. Actually, they, well, the hair thing did run out for one of the brothers who then took to wearing a hat in most of, most of his that's later true. appearances. Yes. Well, <laughs> see, that's part, that's part of the, the, the payback. The devil will take things from you eventually. Yeah. Um, Quite quickly, too, for a lot of uh, you know, famous rock and rollers, if, if they've all done similar deals with the devil, um, yeah, they do tend to die a bit young. Exactly. Um, but you could also look at their career progression. So they were initially very successful in the 60s, uh, broke up in the late 60s and then reformed again in the early 70s, but didn't do very well until the mid-70s when suddenly they were making disco hits. Mm, yeah, this is suspicious. Just like Robert Johnson, they, no, nobody wanted them, and then they go away for a while, come back, and they're massive stars. They did start uh, very early, I think, in my notes here... Um... In, even before they came to Australia, they had started a something called a skiffle band. I don't even know what that means, but um, it's some sort of some form of music, I, I, I guess. Um, skiffle bands are kind of what the Beatles were influenced by. Oh right, thank you, Doki. Yeah, kind of rock and roll, but English with washboards. Yeah, their first early success was in Australia was uh, performing for audiences at a speedway track in Redcliffe in Queensland. And um, this is kind of where they got their name, the Bee Gees. Uh, a lot of people think uh, that it stands for the Brothers Gibb, oh. Bee Gees, but no, the name, the name was created by Bill Gates, not the, not the Microsoft guy. Um, this was Bill Gates, uh, the uh, a Queensland radio presenter. Uh, so Bill Gates, his initials are BG again. And he was introduced uh, to the Gibb brothers by a guy called Bill Good, 
those are the initials BG again, who was the Speedway uh, driver and promoter who first hired the brothers uh, to entertain the crowd in uh, 1960. So radio jockey Bill Gates named the group the BGs after the initials of himself and the Speedway promoter and Barry Gibbs initials. Wow. Uh, so sod the other brothers, apparently. <laughs> um, there's th- three citations for that story on Wikipedia, so it must be true. I have no idea. Yeah. I never. I never. <laughs> so if the Bee Gees sold their soul to the devil for lovely hair, excellent teeth, and disco hits. Yes. What was the payback? Well, they might have been vampires. They might have been vampires, but still... Being a vampire is not in itself a problem. Well, I, I would okay. suggest that <laughs> I would suggest the payback for the disco hits was appearing in the film Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Well, yes. So the story is that tragedy was written when they had an afternoon off from filming the movie. Um, mm. So, again, due to COVID-enforced downtime, I had a look at this movie. Mm. Did start off trying to watch the entire thing, but it's it's two hours long. Life is finite, and <laughs> time is too valuable. Um, so I got about thirty minutes into it, and then skipped through the rest, looking for good bits. Mm. Um, I would say that if you want a reason why they thought of writing a song called Tragedy, look no further. Right there, it is. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, it must have been quite soul destroying being in that film during the day and uh, so they had to try and have something creatively resurrecting in the time off uh, to to sort of make up for it to, to yeah to stay alive staying alive that's what it's all about that's it well if they are vampires they will stay alive they're effectively immortal yeah but it's kind of an undead alive it's not quite live yep and and uh, truthfully I, I don't think I've ever seen the BGs during the daytime so that's... It's true. They're always out at night, Saturday night, night fever. Yeah, Perhaps true. night fever is a feeding frenzy. That's it. That's the name of the bloodlust. The night it fever is. is upon us. Yeah. And what better place to find young virgin blood than out dancing? That's right. Yes. And yeah, see, it. I was wondering, also wondering whether they might be uh, werewolves because of the lovely hair and the teeth. Um, oh, yeah. That's Yeah, but werewolves have souls because they spend most of the time as humans. Oh. Well, that's, that's tricky. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's a sort of half vampire, half werewolf. Have there been any crossover entities like that? Uh, they're always, always, always so separate and, and sort of um, always enemies, the werewolves and the vampires. But maybe there's room for some sort of Romeo and Juliet uh, type story where uh, two of them get together from, from both sides of the fence and um, have some sort of little... Were vampire yeah. or oh. vamp wolf? Yeah, that would be very cute. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be adorable. Yes. Yes. I was going to uh, comment at the height of his hairy powers in the in the 70s. Barry Gibb, in particular, he had a really magnificent wavy mane of hair and a very fulsome beard, and I, I feel like he he could have scored the role of uh, Chewbacca in Star Wars um, around the same time. Um, oh, see, that's uh, why I was thinking of werewolves. Yeah, he could have played a very good werewolf as well. Um, I guess they were probably too busy doing Saturday Night Fever, but I, I feel like um, he could have scored the, the role of, of Chewbacca, except the Wookiee's uh, moody roaring would have 
would have all just been a bit <laughs> instead, which could sound threatening in its way, um, and could have worked. I think I might I might try and uh, play a bit of Star Wars. I'd love to hear that. Chewie. Chewie, is that you? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, so for most of the lyrics, the brothers have to come up with these uh, short little rhymes uh, that they can then punctuate by screaming <laughs> at the end of. Uh, it doesn't say much about the Gibbs as, as sensitive or poetic if they couldn't find tragedy in real life and had to you know, think of vampires and other soulless type demon spawn. So uh, to help out the Gibbs, uh, I've challenged Dave and myself separately uh, to come up with uh, proper real-life tragedies uh, that the Gibbs are welcome to go back and, and use instead. Um, we don't expect any payment. Dave, how did you go? Well, yes, I came up with a few. Most of them are quite uh, domestic in nature. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if they're, if they're domestic, I think that's fine. You, you write what you know. Um, yeah. Tragedy's all the more real when it comes from real life. Exactly. And are you going to be singing it, Dave, or are you just going to uh, recite it uh, in your normal voice? I'm happy to give the singing a go. All right, you sing yours, I'll, I'll speak mine <laughs> as a counterpoint. Right. Then people will know the difference. I invite you to go first. What have you got? All right. Okay. When it's wet and cold and the walls are covered in mold. <gasps> Tragedy, yes. Yes, I, yes. I had, um, um, it's, it's a bit of a jinx. I had when your shower's cold and it's got some mold. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Mold is a universal problem. That's right. That's right. I also had... Um, when you don't like beer, so people think you're queer. Uh, do you have a problem with that? Because I don't like beer, and, and sometimes people think I'm queer for not liking beer. I'm not saying I think people who don't drink beer are queer. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just challenging whether you have a problem with people thinking that you're queer, that's all. Oh! Um, no, it's just people shouldn't make assumptions. Um, that's true. I see. I, I'm sorry to, yes. if I've offended anyone with, with my life. Yeah. Your turn, Dave. Okay. When the cat has pooed in your brand new shoes. Tragedy, definitely, yes. That, yeah. That's, that hasn't happened to me, but it could. It could. It could indeed. Uh, I think yeah. it has happened uh, to my partner. I think she's shared a place with a cat that, that uh, at least vomited in a shoe. Uh, yes. I don't know which is worse. Okay. When the seagull cries because it wants my fries. Also very threatening. Yes, yes, sure. I've got a second part to this, actually. Um, <clears throat> it's hard to bear, but fries are not good for your beak or your nares. Because there's, yeah. Sorry, what are nares? Nares, nares are the nostril bits on, on beaks. Really? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My next one has a similar theme to the previous one. Oh, okay. Again with the cats? Is it cat-related thing, or is that could be we? No, from... Actually, this is this is more sung from uh, the point of view of uh, Kylie when she opens the toilet door, and maybe oh. let's just say aim wasn't as good as it could be. Oh, during the night in the darkness, yeah. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When the kettle's on, but it's tea for one. Oh. Uh, just because oh. that, that could be a bit lonely. 
Oh. Yeah. One is the loneliest number to make tea for. Yeah. See, that could have had people weeping in the aisles with them. Yeah. That one. Got any more? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> when you're out of bread and no one said. You're out of bread and no one said. Oh, because yep. you didn't didn't know we needed to buy some, but because nobody exactly. said. Exactly, and now it's whoever used now the it's last breakfast bit didn't and you're say. hungry. Yep, yep. Oh, that is that is terrible. Oh, man. Okay. Yep. Uh, lost the remote control. You can't be consoled. Oh wow, that's pretty simple. Yeah, I did when the remote control fell down a hole. Oh, yours is better. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Jinx. Universal themes. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to move into some that I didn't write. I'll see if you can work out where they came from. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A traffic jam when you're already late. A no smoking sign on your cigarette break. 10,000 spoons when you need a knife. Like rain on your wedding day. A free ride when you're already late. There you go. You've got it. <laughs> Dave, you're getting too high. That's got to be peaking, peaking out the audio. <laughs> I think it's a peak of some sort. <laughs> yeah, actually, if, if Alanis Morissette uh, only called her song "Tragedy" instead of uh, yep. "Isn't It Ironic," <laughs> would I think been, those uh, are much better. As song. tragic as they are ironic, <laughs> this, the lack of irony was what was so tragic yep. about her song. Exactly. Yep. Um, you're sitting on the bowl, but there's no bog roll. Another one. I think there's a second tragedy in there, which is you're sitting directly on the bowl. You've got no toilet seat. Oh, that's true. Oh, yes. Uh, you probably shouldn't sit directly on the bowl. Um, no, it'd be very cold. That's also yeah. tragic. Tragically cold. Yep. Yes, I have one more. <clears throat> when millions of voices cry in terror and are suddenly silenced. I'm having trouble making out the words. It's, <laughs> you're so high. Can you, can you pitch that one down for me? When millions of voices cry out in terror and are suddenly silenced. <gasps> it's a tragedy. Oh, again, again, we've, we're a bit jinxed. I've got, um, I've got a Star Wars one as well. When Star Wars is a flop because Jar Jar Binks won't stop. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Let me see what else I've got. Um, oh, I've got a bit for the... There's the, the other rhymey bit... Um, the hard to bear bit. It's hard to polar bear. Ice melting beneath you. Seals escape. That's not fair. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and I've also got um, this. This also again includes bears, um, but this is a, another two-parter. When the eagle flies with its sea good eyes, it can see a bear, but that's too big a fight, so it's just not going there. Wow. Yes. These are quite sophisticated. Sophisticated? Yeah. 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 Um, well, less sophisticated is uh, when there's free donuts on, but only cinnamon. See, now that that sounds like something that Alanis Morissette could have used. <laughs> yes. I had to really sort of strangle the pronunciation of uh, cinnamon uh, to, to make cinnamon. it Cinnamon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The car ahead turns right, but indicators not a light. Ooh, 
Yes. Well, that could lead to a tragedy. It could lead to a tragedy, and it's 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 tragically annoying for pedantic people like me who don't like to see people not obeying the rules. <laughs> Have you got anything further, Dave? These are all winners. <laughs> no, I'm spent. <laughs> Everyone's a winner, baby. I'm fresh out. Okay. <laughs> well... I mean, there you go. Uh, we've got some real tragedies there uh, because we're truly sensitive, poetic uh, wordsmiths. Um, yeah. But when you uh, grow up with brothers, um, I know that's something you, you don't know about, Dave, but trust me, um, they can be really uh, macho competitive and really tease each other um, if, if, if they were to show any feelings. If Yeah, you just don't want to show any weakness in front of your brothers or feelings. Uh, even as girly as the as the Gibb brothers might appear, um, there's a thread of lyrics in this song that sounds like typical brothers in denial of any feelings or blame or weakness. So I'm going to go again back to that beginning. Here I lie in a lost and lonely part of town. Now note he's saying, I'm not lost and lonely. It's the part of town. That's lost and lonely. That's true. That's one. In a world of tears, I slowly drown. Now, they're, they're not my tears. It's a world of tears. I'm just drowning in them, okay? And then... When the morning cries and you don't know why. It's not me. Not me that's crying, no. No, the morning is crying. If you think I'm crying, it's, it's just because I've got something in my eye. So, yeah, this is sort of typical um, brotherhood relationships uh, that uh, I, thought I sort of picked up on there. Says a lot about you, I think. Says a lot about my brothers. Well, yes. More about you than, than the Bee Gees, I would think. Well, I gather that they were, you know, they seem quite nice and 70s style, 60s and 70s. It was the, the decade of love. And, you know, it was probably nicer to have brothers then. But I don't think that, I think it's typical. I don't think it's just me. I think uh, brothers are, are pretty nasty towards each other. Can be. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Um, I've got some notable achievements of this song. <clears throat> it was uh, covered by uh, Steps, a Brit pop group of the late 90s that I've never heard of. Yeah. Sung by, have you heard of them? Yeah, again, lived in the UK at the time. Yeah, I don't really think the cover was was an achievement. <laughs> well, apparently it did get right up to number two in the in the UK charts. So right up to number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's sung by the girls of that group, which I don't think is fair. Frankly, uh, they they didn't have to do the the Gibbs falsettos. They just used their regular. Uh, naturally higher girl voices, which is kind of cheating, really, isn't it? And and to be honest, I haven't listened to it for... Well, I don't think I've ever deliberately listened to it. Let me just rephrase. But I don't <laughs> believe that... I don't believe that they went up as high as Barry did, even at the beginning no. of the song. No. They didn't do the... <laughs> yeah, those bits either. Or the explosion. Um, pointless. Yeah. Um... Another achievement, um, little known, um, this song was uh, the inspiration for Kevin Costner's disastrous sci-fi action movie Waterworld, 
Um, if, if I can just take you back to the lyrics again. Held in time in a world of tears, I slowly drown. Uh, world of tears, that's the, uh, the tragedy of the oceans rising to cover the world. The tears are being cried by the, the melting ice shelves. Check. Held in time, meaning there's, there's no progress. Everyone's just subsisting, just staying alive again, as it were. Check. Yep. With no one to love you, you're going nowhere. Kevin gets imprisoned at one point and is only freed by the love of actress Jean Triplehorn, who, who helps him escape. So check. When the morning cries, that's that's probably the cries of the seagulls at dawn in Waterworld. Check. Um, it's hard to bear, as I've mentioned. Uh, the, the shelves are dis disintegrated and polar bears can't hunt, so it's very hard to bear. Going home, I just can't make it all alone. Because to get back home to the only remaining land, he has to team up with uh, Jean Triplehorn again and her daughter. And I think there was some old guy in a hot air balloon uh, in the end. Uh, so check. And the connection is strongest still uh, when you consider the uh, lyrics from the extended version of the song, uh, which includes... When you've got vag-like gills and you're eating krills. Um, so there was that and, and also when it's Mad Max on water and Dennis Hopper's your stalker so definitely definitely inspired that movie undeniable <laughs> and further achievements uh, in 2001 Cambridge University uh, was accused of dumbing down their standards in an exam which asked students to discuss the Bee Gees lyric when you lose control and you've got no soul, it's tragedy. And reporting on this, the Guardian newspaper asked uh, prominent writers of the time uh, to give uh, their answers to the exam question. Um, David John Taylor, novelist and critic, wrote, The Gib lyric sheds an interesting light on the contortions of the tragic muse, for its final effect is to reject implicitly, if not explicitly, the externalizing forces with which many critics have attempted to invest it. Here, the trauma is plainly internal. More than this, at the heart of the tragic descent lies a very real sense of personal responsibility. The protagonist's loss of soul is the result of a forfeiture of control, presumably preventable, at any rate bound up in notions of volition and personal destiny. <clears throat> That's very good. And uh, Giles Foden, novelist and critic, wrote, Joseph Conrad wrote about tragedy not being that man had no soul, but that he knew he'd lost it. If you never had a soul, no problem. Only material things would count. Cakes and ale, people poking you in the eye with sharp sticks. The last might be painful, uh, grotesque even, but not tragic. For tragedy, there has to be some kind of uh, falling, reversal, Peripatia, as the Greeks called it, uh, having had a soul, recognition of its extinction would be unbearable. That's the tragedy. When others think you have no soul, but you think you do, then you're a laughingstock. That's tragic comedy. Thank you, Giles. Uh, finally, John Mullen, 
a senior lecturer in English at um, University College London. Uh, he wrote, when you lose control and you've got no soul, it's tragedy. But why not just bad luck or self-indulgence? The Bee Gees stake the modern claim that ordinary pain is tragic. They gainsay Aristotle, who thought only the sufferings of a special person could drag us to catharsis, and was endorsed by tragedians from Aeschylus to Racine. And, and we all know what they were like. <laughs> Um, when the morning cries and you don't know why, it's tragedy. Their, their pathetic fallacy makes a more radical suggestion that tragedy is waking up afterwards alone. The tragedy of love used to be fatal. Euripides' Phaedra, yearning for her stepson Hippotolus, or Hippolytus rather, um, Romeo falling for the Juliet, the enemy's daughter, uh, tragic lovers died, but now they can just go dancing. Uh, when you lose control and you've got no soul, it's tragedy. Sung again and again, for tragedy is a story like, in brackets, Anthony and Cleopatra or, or Tristan and Isolde, uh, a tragedy, a story we already know. Uh, the tragic protagonist, such as Oedipus or Macbeth, sees how the story goes and, and tries to escape the knowledge. Uh, uh, the disco rhythm says no escape, just Dionysiac repetition. Yes. So there you go. Well, it sounds like a pile of wank, and I'm sure it is. Um, a pile of old wank, even. A pile of old wank, but I do agree with some of it. So if you take the lyrics at face value, discounting the vampire interpretation, yeah, it really isn't very tragic to me. It's not tragic. It's, it's somebody feeling a bit sad because a relationship's gone wrong. Um, yes, it's it's a bit more. It's just like the, as the French would call um, ennui, really. Ennui. Of, yeah. And you know they talk about the feelings gone. Well, I think the feeling has gone. And mm. if you look at there's a line I don't even know if we've mentioned so far. Just before the first chorus, where he says, "I really should be holding you, holding you, loving you." Not, I really want to hold you. Or oh. I'm desperate to hold you, but you know, I really should be holding you. Um, you know, it's it's as if it's a duty. I suppose I should. Yeah, like I really should be getting the early bus because I have an 8 a.m. meeting or I really <laughs> should be collating my expense receipt so I can do my tax return. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's apathy. It's not tragedy. No, you're right. Gosh, I, yeah, I've forgotten yeah. that bit. Mm. Uh, anything further on it, Dave? Well, just to point out that this is really the end of their sort of successful disco 70s era. Oh. I think they only really had one more hit after this until, I guess, the late 80s, maybe. Oh, um, okay. Well, they all go back together. Well, I don't think they ever... Did they split up? I can't remember. They just didn't have any hit records. And Oh, they did split up for a while. Yeah. Yeah. This may oh. be going back to their deal with the devil. Mm. And or it may be going back to their involvement in Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah, maybe they had a maybe their deal with the devil uh, <clears throat> was was paid uh, in installments. Uh, they gave bits of their soul at different times, and uh, and and you know the devil uh, wasn't getting the full soul uh, quickly enough, so he, he cut them off for a while and said, right. No, no more hits until you give me some more soul. Um, 
and uh, yeah, they strung the devil along until uh, you know he just cut off the supply of success for a bit. Well, maybe, but I I think I don't think they were all aware of the consequences of their deal with the devil. I found uh, something that Robin Gibb said about. Um, I'm sorry to to harp on about this movie, but I I kind of became fascinated <laughs> with it when I started to watch it because it was so weird and, and awful. And you are speaking ill of the dead now because there's only Barry I left. Know, I know. Hmm. That's true. That's true. Hmm. But um, this is what he said about their versions of the Beatles songs in Sgt. Pepper. He said, uh, hmm. kids today don't know the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. And when those that do see our film and hear us doing it, that'll be the version that they relate to and remember. Unfortunately, Ooh. the Beatles will be secondary. Ooh. You see, there is no such thing as the Beatles. They don't exist as a band and never perform Sgt. Pepper live. In any case, when ours comes out, it will be, in effect, as if theirs never existed. Wow. Those yeah. Are, those are words that come back to haunt you. Stick that in your song, Alanis Morissette. That's irony. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's an even bigger statement than... Uh, John Lennon himself saying we're bigger than Jesus <laughs> for the Bee Gees exactly. to say we're bigger than the Beatles. I think that's, uh, yep. wow. Yep. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Mm. Isn't it? And that's been the tragic story of tragedy. Well, any sponsors you'd like to thank this week, Dave? I have two. In fact, Oh, the first one is the little UV torches that come with COVID tests. UV torches. Yes, if you get a certain type of COVID test, you have to shine a little UV torch at it to see the result. Oh, I've never had that one. Ah, well, if you do that in a darkened bathroom, um, <laughs> any ideas you had about whether your bathroom was clean, uh, that can go out the window. Oh, right. It's like one of those dark lights that they, they yep. shine around um, crime scenes. Yep, it's like a soulless vampire has gone on a killing spree in your bathroom. It's incredible. Yeah, like you can yep. see all sorts of body, bodily fluids all over yep. your bathroom. Exactly. You really have to improve your aim. <laughs> Particularly as the toilet's in a separate room. Oh, right. <laughs> your bathroom doesn't have a toilet in it. Okay. No. <laughs> um, the second one is the song Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Um, oh, yes. yes. It's getting a new life, isn't yes. it? It's everywhere. So it's not too much of a spoiler to say it plays a role in Stranger Things. But... Having heard it on Stranger Things, I went back and looked at the lyrics and I realised that for the last, I don't know, 36 or 37 years, I'd misheard the lyrics. <gasps> yeah, I always thought she was making a deal with God and getting into small round places. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, God. it doesn't make much sense, but I thought it seemed like something that Kate Bush would do. Get into small round places. <laughs> yeah, she's quite physical. She's a dancer. Maybe she just wants to cram into small round places um, it's not up to me to question why <laughs> is it but, does it turn out to be something faces or what no it turns out to be get him to swap our places it's just about swapping oh. getting the point of view of the other gender right and i found that very disappointing so i was actually wondering whether you've had any songs that you've misunderstood and then when you hear the real lyrics it was a disappointment oh well, uh, the only thing that's coming to mind are the the, the classics, like uh, if if the Go Go's um, had done a song about Alex the Seal, I think that would have been cute and lovely. But it would have been, yeah. Instead, it's about their lips being sealed, which is 
I guess that's fine if you like that sort of <laughs> yes. gossipy secrets and stuff. I suppose fine. Yeah. Um, and I was working with a guy who used to hear the song. Um, I could never wear that sweater, and um, he always heard it as "I remember Venezuela," which um, <laughs> was quite a leap, I thought. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, to continue the uh, the nationalistic uh, fervor of of this episode, I'd like to thank uh, Australia's own Violet Crumble Bar. Um, mm. It's a snack I've been uh, getting back into as a sort of uh, COVID treat. Um, for those who don't know, it's honeycomb wrapped in chocolate, uh, kind of like Cadbury's Crunchy Bar, but this is far superior. Um, beneath the name, it has the slogan, it's the way it shatters that matters. And uh, I don't know how long they've been using that, but in my day, uh, they were trying to make the Violet Crumble Bar into a really tough, manly, rugged sort of snack uh, uh, when the slogan then was urging men to crack a crumble. And in the, in the TV commercial, you had a, a muscly guy in a sleeveless shirt about to, about to have one, and he didn't peel the wrapper off delicately. No, he fisted it open. Uh, with with the bar in one hand, he slams the end down. Sorry, did he, you just say he fisted it open? Fisted it open. With the, with the bar in one hand, he slams the end of it down on his opposing fist, and then the chocolate bar just shot through the end of the wrapper like it was his manly erect penis bursting through his manly unwashed foreskin. Um, that's how manly it was. Um, wow. And then he, he wouldn't just bite into it, no. First, he broke the bar in two, uh, making the honeycomb shatter explosively in little splinters that went everywhere, uh, uh, blinding several onlookers. Um, that's how I remember it. Um, uh, but they've toned all that down now. Um, it's, it's exported around the world, um, and I, I thought it had uh, been bought up by Nestle, um, but now I see it's back in the hands of another Australian company called Robin Men's in South Australia. So thanks for keeping it going, guys. There you go. A manly Australian icon, like Barry Gibbs chest hair. Lyrics of the Lost. Lost.